Bees Radio Network. Live coverage of Bees Home Games. The podcast. The podcast. Well, hello there, hockey fans, and welcome back to the Bees Radio Network podcast episode number 15. The Joe Baird in the podcast stakes, as they like to call it. And joining me, well, as ever, as ever, wherever we are on the podcast, whether it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whenever you listen to us. Mark Denham, how are we? Hello, Graham. I'm very well. How are you? I'm good. Um, the voice is slightly recovered from the weekend, uh, which I'm, I'm proud to say, although there's a little tickle at the back of my throat. So I do apologise if there's any unfortunate. We don't have cough buttons. No. We don't have enough. We don't have enough Patreons yet for cough <laughs> buttons. Uh, that's that's the next thing that we're planning to purchase. Uh, no, no. Uh, as ever, I we can are just pre- hear that on the stream now. So if you'd like to support us on BCV <laughs> in acquiring some cough buttons, please visit our Patreon page. There'll be those who prefer the mute button. Uh, I don't know if any of you have seen uh, Bees TV this week, but obviously now we're utilising the radio commentary from uh, the Bees Radio Network live streams that many of you join us for, uh, and they go out on the Bees TV. And if you do it through the auto-transcription of what YouTube thinks I'm saying it's, and, and what Mark's saying, it's quite bad. <laughs> yes, it is, isn't it? It is. What I particularly like about that was, A, what YouTube translators are saying, but B, also what Andy, who uh, edits Bees TV, referred to us as. Thank you, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, well, thank you yes. Andy, for so many things. And thank you, Chief. And thank you, well. Graham, of course, for thanking Andy. And, of course, also thanks to all our wonderful fans who had to put up with, uh, no other words for it, absolutely appalling conditions at the Basingstoke Ice Rink on uh, Saturday night. There's absolutely no reason why a fan should pay £13.50 to go watch their team play hockey. And when I say watch, uh, they would not have seen the opening of three goals in an amazing 11-minute period at the start of the first against the Basingstoke Bison when the Bees just overran the Bison for 11 minutes, chased out Dan Weller-Evans from the game. Um, it was quite a unique thing to be seeing the puck go in. I was stood up against the plexi, so I could actually see a little bit of the game. You would see a puck go in, the players would celebrate, and then a good three, four, five seconds later, the Bees fans would stand up and cheer as well because the they were not... Blown and <laughs> the whistle had blown, everything had stopped, and they could see some sticks in the air. Yeah, it, it, the glass. it was appalling, and obviously uh, I'm very I'm horrified that you had to put up with that. We've been told that... The dehumidifiers had gone AWOL. Apparently, there was an announcement before the game about that. Um, the dehumidifiers haven't worked in... The main dehumidifiers haven't worked in Basingstoke Ice Rink for about 14 years. Uh, but apparently, the temporary ones got taken away during the week because they didn't expect such bad conditions, which is why uh, it, what occurred occurred. But uh, overall, a really successful night, ending that losing streak against the uh, the Bison, did the TSI World Bracknell Bees. Uh, and in doing it in such emphatic fashion... Um, that, that really set up and continued this run that the team have been on where sometimes the results haven't gone away as on it did on Sunday night against Swindon Wildcats where they took home a 4-2 victory, the fourth goal coming an empty netter, um, the, the third goal coming with three minutes to play in a game where the Bees had really dominated proceedings from, from, the, from the second period onward and it was only a very fine performance, I feel, from Rennie Marr mm. that meant the Bees didn't take the two points on the night. But it's just a beginning to get a string of performances together. And you, I you look had at, uh, an interesting on. discussion with Doug on Monday. Hi, um, I, I can guess how this one's going to go. <laughs> well, no, I had an interesting discussion with Doug. And I said to him, you know, I said, like, I feel for you because genuinely I think the better team lost. And I stand by that, even though Doug said to me, no. Doug said, no. He said, the better team never loses. But I said to him, you look at your team effort as a whole and you look at Swindon's team effort as a whole. And if they hadn't have had Mar in there, they'd lost that game. 
they would have been what five six two down by the end of the yeah. uh, second period. So you know, yeah, Swindon obviously were backstopped by Mar, and he did. Well, he committed robbery. We'll get onto that in a moment yeah. on a number of occasions. <laughs> but you know, without Mar, Swindon were sunk. Uh, in that second period. It was a fantastic period of hockey. I'd say probably the best period we've seen from the Bees this season. Correct. Um, And I I thought, you know, from there, all through the third period as well, I thought the Bees were, they they just had a little flat period. But other than maybe a minute or two in the third period, I thought they were the better team again. And I think it's really harsh, you know. Like I, I did cause, I must admit, a laughing fit on Bees Radio Network by getting my words wrong, saying neither <laughs> team deserves to win, but neither team genuinely did deserve to lose that game, though. You know, no, it was yeah. so tight. It's probably the best Bees performance of the season so far. And that's still without Josh Smith as well. The third period without Aidan Doughty. So that's not a full lineup either. But I thought it was a great performance. And I think it's a real shame. You know, like even if it hadn't been won or lost in overtime, in regulation, it would have had to go to overtime and you have to have a winner or a loser. I just think it's a real shame in a game like that that one team has to lose, arguably when the sum effort of the team that lost is better than the team that won, except for one superstar on the night. Yeah, and I, I completely agree with you. I think it was it was such a... Impressive performance all weekend. And yeah, sometimes you're going to get those things. Results just aren't, the bounces aren't going to go your way. The results aren't going to go your way. You're going to come up against a hot hand. You're going to come up against a hot pad. That's sadly what happens Sunday night. And there's absolutely no shame the Bees can take away from that performance. On and the subject of the goaltending. I would yeah, just I like know. To we're going to come to this. Up. No, no, no. Yeah, here not we that go. yet. Here we go. Not that yet. I just want to clear something else up. I said on commentary on Sunday night, <laughs> I said that... If you can beat Mar once, then you are more likely to get a second or a third, although he is by no means a sieve. I'd like to congratulate the people who have criticised for their own inability to hear because they missed out by no means. I did not call him a sieve. So, yes, I'm more than happy to take criticism if you've listened to what I've said. But, you know, I did not call him a sieve. Just want to clear that up before we get on to what you were expecting me to come to. Oh, I was not expecting that, but I'm really enjoying it because I saw that comment and I went, he didn't say that. He literally said the opposite of well, that. I'm just he putting the record straight yeah. now. I mean, it's not the first time you've had to do that this season for something no. you've said on the, uh, no, the stream. But this I one, said, this one. I, yeah, said I know, what I was I accused know. of saying on that occasion and I stand by what I said. I'm not getting roasted for something I didn't say. <laughs> It was just so great. He said that Mars a sieve, and I was like, he didn't. He just <laughs> basically exactly the opposite. <laughs> he said that, but it is true. With any netminder, you get one past the netminder. You are statistically more likely to be able to get two and and three and four. And there is there is research that proves that as well. But also, as ever in sport, you have the stats. The stats don't lie. But you also have to pass the eye test. And Mar is one of those guys. We have seen it in games with him. You get one goal past him. You can get a second very quickly, which is what happened on Sunday night. He then managed to refind his form and shut up shot for the rest of the game. So when I saw that fan go, oh, the radio commentator said that Mars a sieve, I was like, you've just not listened, have you? Uh, and this is the issue with, with so much in the world right now. People, people are able to hear what they want to hear with certain things. And uh, you can create controversy out of nothing. And, and that, that's a, a chance where someone's tried to create some controversy. 
but uh, unfortunately, as you as you quite rightly say, and there's that cough button we need. Um, yes. as you quite rightly say, uh, they were uh, they were incorrect on that one. But yeah. let's talk about let's the better talk about side what of what we were going we're to talk, talk about, about, shall we? Yeah. And that is, you called it, and I was amazed by it at the time, and I said it was amazing. The save to deny Josh Martin in one on one was an amazing save other than the fact that there's now photographic evidence that the glove which made the save was over the line completely and the puck was in the glove. So it was officially a goal. Definition of a goal is when the puck completely crosses the goal line. So it was officially a goal despite the heroic attempt by Marr. Now, I will say I thought it was a fair save from where I was, as did you, because you called it as such. And Richard, thank you, Richard, for filming Bees TV. He also thought it was a fantastic save until up pops this photo, uh, which was shared. Now, Richard showed me it because I don't do THF anymore. But Richard showed me it, and you can clearly see from the photograph that the glove with the puck in it is over the line. Therefore, it is a goal. Now, what I will say here is I don't apportion blame to the referees on this because that happened in a fraction of a second. And as Mar made the save, his hand then came forward back over the line. It happened in a fraction of a second. And we've spoken about having four officials on the ice. Yeah, there are four officials. One referee with the play, one trailing. I don't criticise either of them for that because it's happened in a fraction of a second. And let's be honest, the only way you could ever have resolved that, even with video replay, because... Our main camera on the angle it was may not have picked it up. Our camera behind the goal may not have picked it up because Ma was in the way. The only way you could have solved it is with an overhead camera. And who has overhead cameras in this league? Plus then the technology for video review, even if the league allowed for it. So it's one of those frustrating things in that the bees should have gone into the interval level at 1-1. And that may have made the rest of the dynamic of the game totally different irrelevant now because they didn't it's just a bit frustrating no blame attached to either of the referees for calling that because at the speed it happened you and I both called it straight away as an amazing save which we thought it was you know the referee even if they're placed on the goal line with the speed at which that's uh, the save was made you know you can't apportion blame to them for not being you know like able to see things in slow motion and on replays. No, exactly. And as you say, like we called it as a fantastic, uh, a fantastic save. And it still is a fantastic save, even though it crossed the line. Uh, and as you say, the photographic evidence proves it. Um, and that was just one of a litany of saves. There's a save in the third from uh, Dominic Gavage, who he thought he had scored. He was off celebrating, I think, and his head went in his hands. He couldn't believe that. Mar had somehow got his blocker side to it. It was an outstanding save, and there were pad saves, and there were there, there was so much to enjoy in that net mining performance. There was so much to enjoy from Danny Milton as well. I was going to say, like, did Danny a very did do strong a fantastic job. job as well. I thought, yeah, he did. He, he got called upon, did the job that he had to do. Overall, as a team, I think there will be bits they'll look at, and they'll look at that first quarter. Uh, sorry, first quarter, first period performance, and they'll know that. He, they can't come out as flat as that. They need to come out stronger. It happened in both periods. And you, you mentioned on the, the commentary is sometimes there is a habit for this team to fall a goal behind. It happened against Hull 
the week before we went behind in the opening minute. It happened here in a minute. It happened in the second period in a minute. Like sometimes it does need that little kick. And I think it's something they'll work on. I think it's something that that's not, that's nothing to do with skill. That's nothing to do with desire. That's all about mentality. How quickly you can switch on into playing the game. I know Doug will be drilling into them. Guys, pucks dropped. Your mind's got to be switched on. And your mind's probably got to be switched on 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes before the game so that you're in the position that when that puck drops, you're not thinking, right, the game started. You're thinking, I'm already in motion with the game. That's mm. all mental. And that, that yeah. will all come. Um, while we're here, we'll talk. I, I mentioned him very briefly then, but obviously it was a debut weekend kind of to remember for uh, Dominic Vash, who uh, put up two goals and two assists and two mighty fine goals they were. The one, in, the one on Saturday in uh, Basingstoke. He actually tried to pull the same move on Sunday, uh, for those of you who are at the Hive, where he raced in, went round the back of the net, and then peeked out from the netminder's block aside and tried to fire it in black, uh, backhanded. Uh, Dan Weller-Evans left just enough of a gap that it was there. Uh, Rennie stayed very close to his post, and as a result, Dominic wasn't able to bank it correctly. But it, it, it was a wonderful goal, a great bit of outstanding skill that really laid down his marker. And then on Sunday, not only did he score a goal that is like one of those dream ones where, um, speaking to the guys on the bench, you saw him release the shot and you just saw the parting of the bodies. And as the bodies parted, the puck just sailed in. Ma saw it, but he only would have seen it once the bodies had all parted through the... Yeah. And he would not have seen it. I want to talk more about his assist for Stuart Boggs' goal, the, the first, uh, the first goal. Fantastic, fantastic bit of work by him to carry it in the zone. And that pass, you know, Stuart Mogg will probably never receive a better pass than that in his career. Great finish by Stuart Mogg, but the, the, the pass definitely made that goal, didn't it? Yeah, indeed. And it was the play as well. He knew when to step it on. He knew when to, to speed up the play and when to slow down the play. It was, I'm really looking forward to seeing it. And that's one weekend. I'm looking forward and we, we can't get too excited because we've got excited about an import after one weekend of action before. But I think the comparison was very much there from this year's Bracknell Bees with Dominic Gabage to last year's Bracknell Bees with Tyler Van Cleef. Because, Mark, I have a very important question to ask you. Oh, off you Tyler, go. Tyler Van Cleef scored a goal on Sunday, didn't he? Yes, he did. Did you notice him in the rest of the game at all? No, I didn't. No. Um, and that's something that perhaps we saw last year as well in Bracknell. Tyler Van Cleef has skill in abundance available to him. But it's just needing a bit of consistency in the application of that skill. Because don't get me wrong, his goal he scored on yeah. Sunday was a beautiful goal. But other than that goal, you know, did you have to call his name much? No. Did no. he do very much? No. no. Um, and, you know, Swindon are in an enviable position of having a, a spare import plus all the reclassifieds. I'd imagine that, you know, yes, it's Van Cleef's first weekend back, but he's going to have to up his game a little, isn't he, to be able to fight to hold on to his place because he's not reclassified. Yep. He is a non-EIHA trained player. In other words, an import. He's going to have to fight to hold on to that place, isn't he? Yeah, and I, it's quite funny because I, I said on the commentary, if, if, you, if you're signing a player because you want him to score a goal a game, that's fine. He's going to deliver you that job. If you're wanting a guy who's going to commit to you across the ice, and they have enough talent in that Swindon team that maybe they can afford to, for want of a better word, carry Tyler a little bit in their team. Um, but it, it's it's a strange one with Tyler. Like, as you say, the kid is immensely talented. The kid has got skill. The kid comes from a very good pedigree, and the work he has put in to be a hockey player 
is quite exemplary. Mm. Um, for some reason, he crosses the he steps onto the two hundred foot and on a game day, and he just doesn't seem to. And it happens with players; they just do not seem to hit the potential that he's got is sky high. Yeah. But the execution, for whatever reason, and, and like as you say, this weekend coming back from those blood clots that had left him on the sideline, and maybe there is a little bit more to come, but that was very reminiscent of a Van Cleef performance from last year in Bracknell, mm. which makes me which makes me delighted when I saw how Dominic competed defensively, well, stick checks, uh, stick lifts, battling yeah. across the ice. Very smart reading of the play going he into has the, the defensive same work end. Ethic as uh, Roman Malenik, doesn't he? And, you yeah. know, we have two hard-working imports that are prepared to battle up front. They're prepared to get back. They're prepared to get in there, do the stick lifting, you know, play the body when necessary. That's what we needed. And a few fans have spoken up on Facebook saying, well, you know, we should have kept Vancleef. I think Sunday shows with Dominic Gabbage in the lineup and Tyler Vancleef, I think Sunday shows that Doug has made the right two decisions there. Yep, I fully agree. And also, we can't forget about the third import in our team. Well, before we get to the third import, I have a oh, question for you on oh, the hello. second import. Okay, this is scary. I'm slightly worried on now. On Sunday but... night, the uh, Dominic Gabbage reminded me of a, a now-retired <laughs> import player. Okay. And I was thinking, like, who does he remind me of? Who does he remind me of? And then it came to me on Monday who he reminded me of. Graham, do you have any idea on who it might be. Just the way he skates, the way he moves, and the way he plays reminded me of a a former import player. You can ask me, like, what team he played for if you want, and I'll tell you. I'll give you a clue. Right. Well, well, well it's quite funny, because I have... Uh, until you said the word retired... We're probably going to disagree here now, aren't we, on this? No, 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 because I before you said retired... Yes. Uh, he, his, ho- his hockey game sense... Reminded me of Rene Yarolin, who, obviously, yeah. those who would used to know, top scorer in the Elite League for Edinburgh, spent time in the EPL with Milton Keynes and Basingstoke. Uh, thanks, Pete, by the way, for giving us Rene all those times ago to last <laughs> win the league title. Um, <laughs> but, but the minute you said retired, and this way we might go in a very different strand, yeah. it reminds me of Greg Chambers. Ah, he just, his whole yeah. style, he's a better shooter than Greg was, but the way he the way he carries himself, the way he moves, his reading of a game it's slightly different to that. Oh, go on, I'm mine curious. Wasn't Greg Chambers? I'm curious to know your one because you might make my head turn here. So mine was Blaz Emersick, uh, formerly Ooh, yes. of uh, Slough and Milton Keynes in the EPL. I watched him and I thought he skates a bit like Blaz. The way he controls the puck is a bit like Blaz, and a couple of the releases on the shots. I was thinking it's like a a little Blaz, you know, not a little Blaz, well, because yeah. he's quite a big lad, but Blaz also was a big lad. But it's like a, you know, I thought there was a great similarity. I was watching him on Sunday thinking, reminds me of someone. He reminds me of someone. And I was going to chuck it out there on the commentary, but I couldn't for the life of me remember who he reminded me of. And it was only on Monday when I thought, Blaz Emersick, that's it. That's a I very... think there is a bit of Blaz Emersick style about him. That's a, that's a very interesting shout. I hadn't actually... But yeah, the t- the two certainly when you start talking about the two way style of play, very Blaz Emersick, working mm. hard defensively. Those just knowing and and the thing that I've I've liked watching Dominic is he doesn't put the stick out to make a nothing play. 
He puts the stick out because he knows I'm just going to lift your stick here and come away with the yeah. puck. If I come in at this moment, I'm going to be able to take this puck away from your stride. It's, and that's what Blaz had the great skill of and made Blaz a very tough opponent, actually, um, and a very unique opponent. And you, you sort of forget as well, when he, was at, when he was playing for the Panthers, he wasn't really a forward. He was playing quite defensive. Yeah. Uh, even though his career previously across the CHL, ECHL, all that had pointed him towards being a forward player. It was when he joined the Jets. He did spend a bit of time on D with the Jets, but the majority of the time he was that two-way forward for them. Along with, And then when he moved to Lightning, obviously really cemented himself as, as, as a great competitor there. Yeah. I mean, do you know what? Like his... Blaz, obviously playing in Slough, I got to know him very well. Blaz has a great uh, hockey mind. He now certainly he's retired now, but as a player, he looked after himself very well. You would never see junk food or anything like that near Blaz Emersick. And we've spoken before about the the influence that imports can have on the the younger Brits that are coming in, looking up to them for inspiration. You look at Blaz, he was that kind of guy, you know, like never ever junk food, uh, very, very healthy man, looked after himself, worked out. And as you say, like he he did come into Slough from a defence position in Nottingham. He came to Slough and then he played up front, but he was more than happy to come back and cover as well. And I noticed that with Dominic, you know, like just the way that he played the game and his hockey sense, like, you know, he showed a great amount of hockey sense as well as skill because the most skilled player can be rubbish if they have no hockey sense. But when you combine the two, then you get an awesome player. And I think that's what we saw. It's early days yet. You know, you've already said it, it's early days. But I think it was a very, very promising start. We saw the skill. We saw the determination. And we saw the reading of the game and the hockey sense as well. You know, the way he goes in for the stick lift, just timed at the right moment. And the way he led that goal that Stuart Mogg scored. Yep. You know, forcing the pace of it, waiting the inch-perfect pass to Mog to let him steady it and release. He's got a lot of both, skill and sense. And, you know, let's hope that we see a lot more of that this season. Because when you pair that up, and obviously they can't ice at the same time, but what I mean is when you pair that up as an import pairing with the, the skill and the work ethic of Roman Malenik, you think, do you know what? We've done good. We have done good yep. here. And we have... I would say probably uh, the best, if not one of the best, import combinations yep. out there now. You know, with these two players, based on what we've seen, you know, we've seen the Sheriff in the black, white and gold for over a year now. Never takes yep. a night off, never takes a shift off. Roman Malinicki works and works and works all night long. And even in a losing cause, he will not give up until that final hooter sounds. And we saw... The same from Dominic Gabage on Sunday, certainly, and on Saturday, you would have seen. I wasn't there on Saturday, but I've heard great things about him from Saturday. Yep. We've seen, you know, the we, we now, I think, are in a fantastically strong position. We had an horrendous month. Let's not brush over that at all. We had an horrendous month, and things weren't going well. James Galazzi, who we're going to come on to in a moment, has come back and made an impact. Dominic Gabarge has come in and made an impact. And not only that, other players are now stepping up as well and getting fully into their stride. And yeah, the bees are not where we want to be in the table, 
But there's many games to change that. And the only way the bees are going from here is up that table. Yeah, indeed. And and as you say, one of the driving forces behind it at the moment is uh, who is someone who's being uh, jokingly referred to as the third import on the team. That's the Italian James Galazzi, even though he was born in Canada. Uh, don't know how some people have put those two sums together. But anyway, but yeah, but James at the moment, I think, is really showing not just his leadership that everybody knows he's got an abundance, not just his not just his uh, his strength and his ability, but there was this wonderful moment during the game on Sunday, and it was one of my highlights of the game. It was when James's line, so him, Josh Martin, and Ryan Webb, rotated the puck in the Swindon end for about a minute and twenty, um, mm. and it was they didn't get a reward with a goal at the end of it or anything like that, but that was just a real telling moment for me of a team that, but you can just see the system beginning to develop, and that wears teams down. If that is a whole period, if that's a whole minute and 20 of a game where basically the Swindon defenders are chasing shadows because we're just rotating the puck around, we're getting a chance, collecting the rebound, rotating the puck again, getting another chance, rotating the puck again. That is proper hockey. That is that is the signs of a very good team and a very skilled team and a very confident line, whether they're very comfortable just to be able to do that and go, you know what? You'll see other teams in this league They'll get into that situation, they'll put on a shot, and then they'll throw a low percentage chance on, turn the puck over, and the play will come out the other way. That line just kept working, okay? There's not a high percentage chance. We'll just rotate the puck again. There's not a high percentage chance. Let's rotate. Now there's a chance. We'll shoot, but we'll make sure we're picking up the rebound so that we can rotate again. Mm. That, to me, wasn't there a month ago. And that's someone like James Galati and the likes of Ryan Webb, who I think has had a very strong couple of weeks as well, and just needs to keep delivering those performances. And Josh Martin as well, who looks like he's full of confidence and full of energy at the moment. And if that is directed correctly along with that line, that becomes a very unique trio as the season will continue to develop because they've got a bit of continuity in that line. You could start adding a little bit more to that across the board. And that, to me, is just showing how, as you say, the last month beforehand, not great. This at the moment is just those little acorns that you can see potentially grow. And let's be honest, if they continue to grow, we're in November now. If they're fully flourished by March, April time, that's quite an exciting prospect. There was a guy who made his name in Milton Keynes and got himself a reputation as a one-dimensional player. He was signed then to Slough by Slava Kulikov, left Slough and was signed in Basingstoke by Doug Shepherd. Under Kulikov and Shepard, that guy proved that he was no one-dimensional player at all. And that's Michael Wales, who showed, I can do more than just that one-dimensional stuff. And I think we've seen over the last 18 months or so that James Galazzi, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, one-dimensional, there's no place for him on a team. No, he's not. No, he's not, because he is capable of playing a physical game. But, you know, he's banged in some good goals since he come back. Yep. He's also, you know, as you say, that, you know, minute or so on Sunday where his line just controlled the game without a single bit of real danger of losing control of the game. You know, James Galazzi is more than a lot of people give him credit for. He can play a multi-dimensional game. And since he's come back from injury, you know, in his testimonial season as well. So it must have been tough for James. Here he is in his testimonial season, 10th season, and all of a sudden in the first game, oh, how long am I out for? 
must be tough for him. But he's kept himself in good shape, got himself, you know, right so he can get back on the ice, kept himself in good shape, and he's hit the ice running. And he has shown that he is a real asset to this team. He has a role to play and he knows what his role is and he's playing it well right now. Indeed. And as I say, it, 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 obviously, it's a two-point weekend. It's not the perfect weekend, um, but there'll be more to come. And I think someone like Galazzi and, and just James is going to drive that forward. Let's just very quickly, uh, a couple of bits of tidbits and news from across the league. If we had a breaking news bed, we'd be playing it right now. There we go. Like that. It's like the old days of the and internet, now, that is. with the latest news, Graham Bell. <laughs> Kids, go talk to your parents about what it was like when you used to have to dial, dial up the internet at home. <laughs> oh, that, that was a noise you don't forget for the rest of your life. Um, so the tidbits of news for you very quickly. Robin Kovar obviously left the Bracknell Beast for Dominic Gavash to come in. Uh, Robin has found himself a new home at least until Christmas. He's not in Lapland. He has instead joined Milton Keynes with Ari Nahi leaving the side. Uh, which is a shame because it's one of my favourite names to pronounce in the league. But yeah, Robin's joining that uh, Milton Keynes team that is uh, it's an interesting combination of a lot of talent on paper. Uh, they're effectively the the old Swindon teams where they're the best paper hockey team in the league. You look at them on paper and they go, they should walk this league. But instead, results don't quite go their way. And uh, there's mm. a variety of reasons why that could be. And the fans are saying that uh, Ari Nahi... Didn't put up enough for them, looked a little bit out of sorts. The press release, as ever, you can make press releases sound how you want them to sound. So saying he only scored seven goals in 16 games doesn't look too good, does it at all? And then turning around on the other hand and saying that Kovar scored plenty of big goals annoyingly against Milton Keynes Lightning. Uh, the fact is that Robin put up the same amount of points, uh, actually more points in games against Milton Keynes than he did against the rest of the teams in the league. So he obviously caught their eye. I don't think this is an upgrade for them. I think Nahi, by all means, not 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 exactly what they need, but I do think that come Christmas there might be some Milton Keynes fans unwrapping a new import under their tree. What's a little bit worrying, I think, for the Milton Keynes fans is obviously they've had a couple of horrible years in the Elite League that they probably want to forget on the ice and off the ice. They've come down to the NIHL National where they're thinking, yeah, do you know what? Like, we signed an all right team here. We've got a chance. And as you say, on paper, that team has got a fairly good chance. I don't think they're a winning team in terms of, you know, like walking away with the league come March. But I think they've got a chance of being up there, judging by the team on paper, they've got a chance of being up there, you know, with a home playoff spot at the end of the season. But something has not clicked at all. You know, there's a lot of talent in that team. Something has not clicked. I think Ari Nahi has probably carried the can a little bit for that because if you are making a change, it's much easier to gas an import and bring in a new one than it is a Brit because where's there a Brit available at this time of year? I think maybe Nahi has carried the can for that. Yep. And this puts an awful lot of pressure on Robin Kovar now to go in there and let's be honest, he's been announced as signing on a trial basis until Christmas. So Kovar now goes in there under a lot of pressure as well. And that's, you know, maybe a little bit unfair on him because he'll be thinking, well, hang on, you know, if the rest of the team doesn't click, you know, and if the results don't come, I'll carry the can because I've been announced as signing on a trial basis. So in a way, I do feel for Robin because, you know, 
Obviously, things haven't worked out for him in Bracknell, and I think we can agree that Doug has upgraded with the new import signing. But for him now to be signing in Milton Keynes and announce the signing on a trial basis for basically a month, what is not clicking in Milton Keynes? Why are they not putting up the results? Is it Ari Nahi's fault? No, not entirely. Would it be Robin Kovar's fault if that doesn't turn around? No, and I kind of feel for the guy a little bit there. Yeah, I do as well, but it will be interesting to see how it goes. Maybe he's going to prove everybody wrong. Maybe he's going to become the player that I think we hoped he would have been here in Bracknell, or maybe, and I, I'm right now calling this, I do think Milton Keynes will be announcing a new import come Christmas or the end of the season. Uh, sorry, end of the season's turn of the year is what I meant to say there. End we, of the year, yeah. yeah but we've probably got more chance of, of that than Leeds probably playing a home game by the end of the year. Uh, which is maybe a little bit of a catty comment, but that obviously, for those of you who don't know, Leeds have had to postpone more fixtures from their home rink at Ellen Road due to uh, construction delays, which I think is the polite way of saying it's not ready in time. Apparently, he is going to open for public skating for Christmas, so great news for all those fans, but there's a little bit of work that still needs to be done before they will open up for hockey. As a result, they are talking about the game in the middle of January against the Telford Tigers being the first home game for the Leeds Chiefs. What's happened is a very interesting sort of situation where if the teams are a Planet Ice team, uh, Leeds are a Planet Ice team, and if they were due to host a Planet Ice-based team, so Peterborough, Basingstoke, etc., they are switching the fixture. So it will still be a Leeds Chief home game, but the home game will take place in Basingstoke, or the home game will take place in Peterborough. For other teams in the league, it's a different different situation. For, so when the London Raiders play Leeds, they'll be playing in Coventry, and when the Black Bracknell Bees play Leeds, we'll be going to Blackburn. Yep, draw that one up on the map, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, So we will go up to Blackburn, minus the hump, obviously, in Blackburn. It's obviously a terrible situation for Leeds. Last week, the kit being stolen from uh, wherever it was stolen from. And then this week, this a new announced delay about them moving into their Ellen Road home. For those of you who remember when the Manchester Phoenix moved into Altrincham all those years ago. And the first couple of games that took place in that rink, it was nowhere near complete for seating. So I'm quite happy that it doesn't appear we're going to have that kind of a situation. They are actually able to going to be able to open up for skating and then we'll finish off the rest of the rink around it rather than rushing open for the, the first Chiefs game. It's obviously sad. We're not going to get a chance to, we'll get a game at Ellen Road, I think in the middle of February. Um, but you do feel for those Chiefs, it's, it's a long season on the road and they've now added in what were home games in Blackburn and Widnes and now becoming home games in Basingstoke and Peterborough. Not really ideal. It's a lot of miles, isn't it? It's a lot of miles that they have to travel because, you know, a lot of teams will build their success around a fortress on home ice. Successful teams will always look to win their home games and as many of their road games as they can. The honest truth is, it doesn't matter if they're designated home games or not. Leeds are not playing in their home arena. Now, Bracknell had this a few years ago, didn't they? When the plant went down, they played a couple of weeks in Slough. It's only 15 miles apart or whatever it is, 18 miles. But for Leeds, they don't have a base to train from that's their own. They certainly won't be playing a home game there in 2019 that's, you know, actually a home game in their home facility. And this is tough. Add in the, the kit theft as well. It's not been a great start to life for the Leeds Chiefs because let's not forget, they are a brand new startup team as well. And, you know, in terms of building fans 
it's very difficult, isn't it, to build a fan base to come and support the club if you can't say, yeah, we play home on whatever, you know, whatever day it is at whatever time, and we'll be there every week. It's very, very hard to build off-ice success around the club, but it's also hard for Sam Zajac to marshal his troops with home games taking place nowhere near Leeds in Basingstoke. It's difficult. Apologies, put the microphone down there, but yeah, indeed. No, sorry. Yeah, no, I no, no, no. I, 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 thought, I thought you were going to go on there, and then I was just like, oh, okay, it's finished. When you said Manchester, by the way, and you were saying, when they first, and I was thinking, he's going to mention the new all singing, all dancing NHS funded rink. No, I would never. That, that, no. No, no, I'm, 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 I've, I've got over the ice dome. How's dream. that going now, by the way, the ice dome? How's I, it going? I, I believe it might actually now be part of the Manchester City complex up in, uh, oh, up, up in uh, the Phoenix land, but yeah, obviously... Sad times when the Phoenix demised for everyone involved in the sport. Um, yes. But uh, we got to look forward to the future, which is always the bright side, because we do have another action-packed weekend of hockey coming up. And uh, rather stupidly, I forgot to look at the fixtures before uh, starting the podcast. I can tell you it's Peterborough on Saturday at 7 o'clock and Sheffield on Sunday uh, at home at 5.30-ish. You'll be grateful to know I had actually written both those teams down, but the Peterborough was more like a Peterborough? Uh, it's sort of a big question mark at the end of it. But yeah, indeed, two tough tests, two different tests. Obviously, we know the threat that Peter proposes, that smaller ice rink, that uh, that, that style of play that Slava Kulikov puts in at home. Be interesting to see how we match up in that game. I, I, you could be pleasantly surprised, fans. At the end of the day, we went into Basingstoke, a team on a roll, turned them over. There's absolutely no reason why it couldn't happen again in Peterborough because... The smaller ice pad, it would be interesting to see someone like Dominic, who's a very skillful player on that. And it'll be interesting to see how that goes. And then on Sunday, we welcome the Steel Dogs to town, which is a team with a lot of experience, talent. The like of Ben Morgan at the back is still one of the best defensemen in this league, as well as playing that player coach role. But it'll be interesting to see the youth guys up front, Kieran Brown, Alex Graham, two immensely talented kids, Reese Cochran in there as well. Like they've got a they've got another core coming along now. This core probably is going to push up and move to the Steelers eventually. Definitely, I can see both Brown and Graham at some point. Brown is already doing it from time to time, but I can see them both icing in the. Uh, do they call it orange? Just orange and blue there now, isn't it? It's not the old teal yeah. colours you used again in the Steeler land. But you can see them easily progressing upwards, and it, you know what. It's a good thing when you have a, a feeder club that's able to feed up players to you. It really helps out with sort of developing up your uh, your mm. hockey academy. Um, so it'd be interesting to see that Steel Dogs team because they come with uh, what appears to be a very attacking style of hockey, which could make it a very open match and one where the two netminders are going to be battling against each other, but also the two teams for goals. And I think it's going to make for a very open and fast-paced game at the Hive on Sunday. I haven't seen the Steel Dogs for a while until I saw them at Coventry uh, for the um, the finals weekend. And I was quite impressed with what I saw with the Steel Dogs, if I'm honest. Like, there's there's talent there, there's experience, and there's youth, and there's a good blend. And as you say, you know, they they it's it's a double-edged sword. I think for the Sheffield Steel Dogs, because they are very much the poorer relation to the Steelers with their massive arena and their massive media machine. And, you know, they they are very much like the second team in Sheffield. What are you doing? Oh, the Steelers playing. No, let's go watch the Steel Dogs. Very much like that. But equally, 
I think it probably does draw to your development program because you know that you then have that complete path to walk through from under 10s, 12s, 14s, 16s up into the steel dogs. And then if you're good enough, onto the Steelers and you're only going across the road. So it's, it's a brilliant setup for them from that point of view. But obviously, as we've said before, ultimately every club in NIHL National is a feeder club, as is one, as is two. We're all feeder clubs. So players from two, if they're good enough, will get up to one. Players from one will get up to national. And then if they're good enough, players from national will go on to the elite league. And if they're ultimately good enough, perhaps even Team GB. Um, the challenge, I guess, for Sheffield is being so close is that, you know, when you develop your talent and they settle in in national and they start like putting up the performances, the Steelers will be looking, the Steelers will be looking and the Steel Dogs will be thinking, OK, we're going to have to find a replacement for this guy next year because he's not going to be here. And that's a real challenge, I think, is to nurture the talent, to bring it on, to let it succeed and then to let it go. Yeah, and that, that and it's 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 hard. It's obviously not fun when you're the funnel, uh, but that is mm. the role of everybody. That is the role. Every club's aim in this country should be to develop players to play one for the national team and two at the highest level they possibly can. It shouldn't be trying to restrain players. It shouldn't be trying to hold back players. It should be trying to drive everybody forward. And it's the same for us here over the years. Danny Myers, Sam Oakford. You can name so many players that have come through the system and gone on to mm. a higher level. That is the aim of this here. It is what we should be doing. The one that's the shame in this, I think, no disrespect at all if you are a fan of this club listening, is Guildford. Because a lot of promising Guildford juniors have to go elsewhere to make their name. And this is even going back to the EPL days. They have to go elsewhere to make their... Yeah, the EPL days, the, the BNL days... It doesn't matter how talented you are. You had to go somewhere else to Slough, to Bracknell or somewhere else to then get noticed and re-signed. And I think that was always a bit of a shame, really, in Guildford because they do have a quite impressive youth development system there. But just the step, I mean, obviously, it's more difficult now to go straight from youth hockey to elite hockey. You're going to have to go somewhere else now, really, yeah, and, and, and make that step. But when there was that step available, you know, if you think, Players, young players, like 14-year-old Scott Moody making his debut for Slough in the BNL. Back in the day, it was possible, except in Guildford, where you had to go elsewhere to come back. Always a bit of a shame, that one, I thought. Yeah, indeed. And Things like the Phoenix are hopefully going to help that. The 18s, those yeah. players are going to move on. And like you talked about the EPL days, you can list them off the back of the hands. They've all played for the Bees at some point. Andy Hemmings, Chris Wiggins, Ollie Bronneman, um, there's that whole generation, David Savage as well. Like there's a whole mm. generation of those players who, yeah, different time would have been interesting to see. But let's let's focus on this weekend, Mark. So how can fans get tickets if they want to come along to the game on Sunday night? Before I tell you how to get oh, tickets, what goes. I will tell you is if you are going either to Peterborough on oh, Saturday yes. or if you are coming from further afield to Bracknell on Sunday, the M4 motorway will be closed this weekend. That's the 30th of November and the 1st of December. If you are listening to this podcast at the date in the future, that might not be relevant. But this Saturday, the 30th, Sunday, the 1st, the M4 motorway closed between Junction 6 Slough 
to Junction 8 and 9 Maidenhead. So obviously if you are travelling to Peterborough uh, and you want to make your way, do not use the M4 because there's going to be signposted diversions through the local routes as well. So don't use the M4. Equally, if you're heading to the Hive on Sunday for further afield than Bracknell, then uh, you want to be uh, trying to avoid the M4 again because it is closed until Monday morning. Now, with uh, that hang on, in hang mind, on a if, second. Is it, if only there was some sort of jingle we could play right now. To well, sort... Steve Merry's not here to do the travel, though, is he? Should we get him on the phone to do the I, travel? I think, I think we'll just leave a gap here and we'll play the jingle. Yeah. Leave gap here. Insert Steve Merry later. Um, if you would like to get tickets, though, once you've uh, once you've taken on board the travel, if you would like to get tickets, oh one three four four seven eight nine treble o. That's the number to call and book your tickets. Uh, away fans, of course, in block four. Home fans, wherever you want, as long as there's not a season ticket holder who's already booked the seat, or someone else who's already booked the seat as well. Don't don't well, so, yes. don't have that, that problem. That, the, the chaos chaos will reign. Then we can't have that. More importantly, how can fans keep up to late? The oh, blah, 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 try and get my words out. How can fans? The latest news. The latest news from across the Bracknell Bees on the website. That's bracknellbees.com on Facebook and Twitter. Bees Ice Hockey on Instagram. The Bracknell Bees. And most importantly, fans, if you can't make it along to the game. Sunday, we understand we're moving into the festive period as it's known. Do join us on the Bees Radio Network on Sunday night. We'll be there live. We have to cut festive music as Sunday will be the 1st of December. Do we need festive intros and outros for Bees Radio Network? I will find some festive music. I feel that's a very good idea. I I like that (laughs) idea. We're going to make note festive music. So I'm going to have to learn here. I'm going to have to learn, you know, for uh, Sunday when you say hello. Oh, you Just need, practicing. You need to do some work on your Santa Mark. That's Re- all right. Don't worry. I can deepen it in post. Yeah. <laughs> all the tricks of the trade. That'll be the full Barry White by the time this comes out. <laughs> How am I supposed to continue from that? Um, but Mark, thank you very much as ever. Most importantly, for all of you guys at home, thank you very much to those of you who are Patreon subscribers. That's why you get to listen to this podcast. We really do appreciate all your support. It's for you guys that we do this little bit of extra production, not to just randomly talk to each other three quarters of an hour once a week. It's hopefully to give you a lot of entertainment. Kind of a standard length now. Uh, exactly. As well, isn't it? Three quarters of an hour. I, d- I think I think there'd be uproar if we did any less. I think there'd also be uproar if we did any more. So, um, Mark, pleasure as ever. Thank you, Graham. Look after yourself. Stay to yourself, hockey fans. Look after yourselves. And until next time, goodbye. Bees Radio Network. BracknellBees.com.